0: My name is Grant Evan, sports fan and deep dive extraordinaire. I am here to use my sports knowledge and research skills to finally settle the greatest what-ifs in sports history with evidence, math, and tons of simulations. This is Alternate Jersey. Well, uh, some shit went down since the last episode, huh? Democrats took the Senate back, a bunch of fucking white supremacist terrorists stormed the Capitol building, Trump conceded the election? Kind of? Man, the finale of this presidency has been wild. And here I am, trying to show you the world of sports if this stupid little man didn't get the highest office in the land. So, let's recap. Last episode, we detailed Trump's efforts to get his tiny hands on an NFL franchise throughout history. In our new timeline, Trump has skeezed his way into buying the Buffalo Bills in 2014 and has hired legendary two-time Super Bowl-winning head coach and Trump supporter Mike Shanahan to take the reins of the franchise as their head coach, with Trump himself fulfilling the role of GM or president of football operations or whatever the fuck you call copying Jerry Jones' gig. And now, the next part of our story. Since the Bills hired Shanahan, that means Rex Ryan doesn't get the gig and just goes into the pile of discarded coaches where he belongs. Shanahan pushes to get a different free agent quarterback as well. Remember, Rex Ryan fought really hard to trade for Baltimore Ravens third stringer Terod Taylor to take the reins of the Bills because he really liked him for whatever reason. So this time, Shanahan wants somebody who fits his scheme, somebody he can build around, somebody who reminds him of John Elway. And one he was vocal about liking at one point was Mark Sanchez. The Bills don't have a first-round pick in 2015 after trading that to Cleveland the year previous to draft Sammy Watkins, so no real draft-fuckery to discuss here, but just keep in mind, the Buffalo Bills, now owned by Donald Trump, are being coached by Mike Shanahan, who hasn't seriously coached in about two years, and have now signed Mark the Sanchez Sanchez to be their starting quarterback. The Bills were not great in 2015, but with Shani at the helm, wow, so much worse. Real-world Bills starter Terod Taylor in 16 games went for 20 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 3,033 passing yards, coupled with 568 rushing yards and 4 rushing touchdowns. That version of the Bills went 8-8. Mark Sanchez, during his two-week stint in Philadelphia the same year, went for four touchdowns, four picks, and 616 yards. Using those stats as a baseline, we can conclude that Sanchez, as a full-time starter, would break the single-season interception record and plummet the 2015 Bills to a 3-13 record. One of those new losses is against the Tennessee Titans, the former owners of the first overall pick in the 2016 draft. Now, with them beating the Bills, they're going to go 4-12 and land themselves the number 3 pick instead. Number 2 belongs to Cleveland, who is now tied with the Bills with a 3-13 record. So it comes down to tiebreakers to figure out who's going to have the number one pick, and the advantage goes to the Bills for losing more divisional games. So, the Bills land themselves the first pick in the 2016 draft, and they clearly need to move on from Mark Sanchez, who again just broke the single season interception record for a quarterback. So, instead of them selling that pick to the Rams, like the Titans did in our world, they keep it and use that pick to draft cal's jared goff first overall the Browns sitting at second is the same as our reality so they still trade their pick to the eagles the main differences we'll see next include the titans taking joey bosa which sends the forest buckner to the chargers but now we got to talk about the la rams who have not been able to trade up in the draft have not taken Jared Goff and are sitting in the middle of the first round with no real answer at quarterback. So instead of drafting one way too early, they instead decide to roll with Case Keenum for the full year. They will still draft Jacoby Brissett in the draft, but he won't inspire enough hope to start. The real help comes in the second round. Now that the Rams haven't given up their picks to the Titans, they're able to take Michael Thomas. And speaking of the Titans, in this world, they opt not to trade out of the number three pick and instead cash in on a a once-in-a-lifetime defender. And like we said earlier, they no longer have the 45th pick in the draft because they didn't get it from the Rams. So instead of getting Derrick Henry, they don't get Derrick Henry. He instead goes to the Saints. Trump has his coach and the best quarterback in the draft, just like the old days. So how do the 16 Bills fare? Goff, in seven games that he started for with the Rams, went for five touchdowns, seven interceptions, and 1,089 yards. Expanding that to a full year, since there's absolutely nobody he'll be sitting behind, he goes for 11 touchdowns, 16 picks, and 2,489 yards. Combine that with a less than stellar receiver group, and the Bills go 5-11. Meanwhile, the Rams, with Keenum for a full year, somehow wind up in a better situation. Keenum got benched for the last seven weeks of the season, but had he gotten to stay in, he would end with 16 touchdowns, 19 picks, and nearly 4,000 yards passing. The Rams will also go 5-11 and and pick up an extra win against the Niners, meaning San Francisco goes 1-15 and snags the first overall pick instead of Cleveland in a tiebreaker scenario that literally came down to how many points were scored against them. So, in the next draft of the first overall pick, San Francisco still goes defense but takes Miles Garrett first overall. That puts Cleveland at pick number two, and needing a quarterback with all the good ones still on the board, so they take the nice and safe and highly touted Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears, unable to make a trade with Cleveland, then take Solomon Thomas. And Mike Glennon does the happiest dance he's ever done in his life, alone, quietly, in his own room. Leonard Fournette will still go fourth overall, but this time to the Jets. Which brings us to our Trump-led Bills at five. Shanahan is still in-house, and they know their shiny new quarterback needs a pass catcher, so they give him a Mike Williams. At six is the Rams, who clearly need a quarterback and have a great offensive-minded coach at the helm, so they decided to take a gamble on a high-ceiling, low-floor kind of guy in the hopes that McVeigh maybe can make him something great. With the 6th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Patrick Mahomes, the 2nd quarterback. With Mahomes now off the board, the Chiefs get utterly spooked that they missed their shot at an air to Alex Smith. So, they scramble to make a trade up with the Chargers to land Deshaun Watson. Which also means the Texans are now sitting at pick 25, no trade-ups, and not wanting to pull the trigger on a quarterback at this point in the draft. So instead, they get cute and draft JJ's brother, TJ. But don't worry Texans fans, we know you don't want to roll with Brian Hoyer forever, so the Texans then take Deshaun Kaiser from Notre Dame, 57th overall. We'll talk about the team implications in a moment, but something else huge happened to the league in 2017. But first, we gotta go one year back, to preseason, 2016. On August 14, 2016, 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick was filmed taking a knee during the national anthem of a preseason game. When he was asked about it, he stated he was protesting police brutality and the treatment of black people around the country by law enforcement. Cap drew a huge number of people who, let's say, didn't agree with him at best and viciously attacked him at worst, including the then-presidential nominee, Donald Trump. It sparked a few other teams and players to have their own protests and support, but it didn't go full tilt until 2017. Wouldn't you love to see one of these NFL owners, when somebody disrespects our flag, to say, get that son of a bitch off the field right now, out? He's fired. He's fired! Well, now Trump is the owner of one of these NFL teams. He may not have the national profile he would have had as president, but he certainly still got an active Twitter presence and may be prone to repeat some of those feelings he and other conservatives held. I submit that given Trump's politics and demeanor that an internal memo would go around the Buffalo locker room in 2017 before the season starts. If you disrespect the anthem, you will be fired. Mike Shanahan officially has never said anything about the leaked protests, but given that he hosted a Trump rally, I think we can all take a guess where he stands. And then I submit that that memo gets leaked. In week three of the NFL season, teams and players participated in a general protest against racism and called for police reform in response to President Trump's comment. Since Trump isn't president, but his memo to the team has been leaked, now it's going to be a general protest to stand in solidarity with Kaepernick and to just kind of generally mention that that kind of behavior won't be tolerated. So, on September 24th, 2017, prior to a Week 3 game against the Denver Broncos, 10 members of the Buffalo Bills kneeled during the National Anthem. They were running back LaShawn McCoy, linebacker Shaq Lawson, tight end Charles Clay, defensive tackle Marcel Darius, fullback Mike Tolbert, defensive end Ryan Davis, cornerback Sharice Wright, cornerback Leonard Johnson, defensive tackle Cedric Thornton, and wide receiver Kalen Clay. And all of these players are black. They go on to play, they win the game, and then the following Tuesday, we'll learn that their owner slash general manager, Donald Trump, has cut all of them. Trump will further justify his action by saying he saved the team over $4 million. This will be true. The Bills will take no cap hit for this action, and in fact will save money. Isn't that crazy? He'll dig in his heels further by saying something like, the bad records we've been having can be tied to these players. Bills will be better without them. And then the outrage starts. There's only a few times in a man's life where you have a chance to stand up for something that you believe in and make a statement. So today I thought that was that chance and I took it. I'm disappointed in the comments that were made. Um, I think we need a little bit more wisdom in that office. And that's being a little blunt, but that's how I feel. That was Carolina Panthers player Julius Peppers and Saints head coach Sean Payton speaking out against President Trump's speech in 2017. In this context, we will reframe that to two of the league's biggest stars speaking out against Donald Trump as an owner. The Buffalo Ten, as they become called, all get picked up by new teams as the league stars and owners speak out against what could only be described as a discriminatory and politically motivated action against players exercising their first amendment rights. Would Trump be allowed to do this? Yes. Does the situation warrant further investigation? Hell yes. A league taking action against a racist owner isn't unheard of either. In fact, a mere three years before Trump would make this choice, something similar happened in the NBA. In 2014, Donald Sterling, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, got caught being racist on an audio recording. The league's stars and the Clippers players threatened to protest and boycott playing for or against the team, so the NBA launched an immediate investigation into Sterling. Here's how NBA Commissioner Adam Silver handled that. Accordingly, effective immediately, I am banning Mr. Sterling for life from any association with the Clippers organization or the NBA. Mr. Sterling may not attend any NBA games or practices. He may not be present at any Clippers facility. And he may not participate in any business or player personnel decisions involving the team. The NBA acted swiftly and decidedly to oust a man who just said racist shit. Now we have an owner who would absolutely actually do something racist. Note, No owner to this point has ever cut a player for protesting, not even the shitty ones who hated the protests, not even the guy who said the inmates were running the prison. Trump would have crossed a clear line that could not be ignored. Now, I'm not naive enough to suggest the NFL, with their sterling record for social justice, would respond swiftly or anything, but here's a few responses I would anticipate. The Buffalo 10, along with the NFL Players Association, sue Trump in a discrimination lawsuit and strongly encourage no free agents to sign with the Buffalo Bills while Trump is in charge. Jared Goff, the Rams quarterback, has been on record as wanting to be a leader in the fight against injustice. In our world as the Bills quarterback, he has an opportunity. After the players are cut, he benches himself other bill starters soon follow suit. In addition, if Trump were to cut 10 players, at most they have 43 remaining players on the team that will be blacklisted by the NFLPA. In 2017, the rule said you needed at least 46 active players on your roster. Buffalo is frequently forced to forfeit their games due to being unable to field a full roster and being unable to sign any players due to the blacklist. Mike Shanahan resigns to distance himself from the shit show. Owners begin to get frustrated with the NFL for not taking faster action against Buffalo because now their revenue is in jeopardy if the Bills can't play likewise the players start to get frustrated not just because there's a racist running the buffalo bills but because if they can't play a game against the buffalo bills they don't get paid either these outrages and these comments finally force roger goodell to step in and force trump to sell the team just like what very recently happened to donald sterling As for the Bills themselves, they never win a single game from week three going forward. Their 2-1 record crumbles into a 2-14 record. Once people start hyper-focusing on the story, it becomes clear that Trump may have fabricated his assets to buy the team in the first place. With the world mounting against him, Trump sells the team to Terry Pagula for less than a billion dollars. He falls into general irrelevancy as his very brief stint as an NFL owner costs him nearly everything. He starts reaching out to filthy rich friend Vince McMahon in yet another harebrained attempt to take on the NFL by seeing if he can get Vince to get the XFL up and running again. Vince accepts his help, gets the league up in 2020, and they watch it all go up in flames when coronavirus hits. Trump keeps tweeting, but to a smaller audience, and he will no longer have any bearings on our NFL timeline. As far as the NFL is concerned, the Bills themselves as a team need not be punished. So when the Bills go 2-14, they let them keep their draft picks. They do whitewash the front office, Mike Shanahan is out of course, and the team needs to make a few new hires. They get themselves an actual general manager and sign Matt Nagy as their new head coach. Don't worry, Bears fans, you get Sean McDermott. Now, as for the rest of the league in 2017, if I can just stick to sports here for a second, the Rams, they have McVeigh. they have Mahomes, they have Michael Thomas. So, oh boy, are they not going to meet your expectations. I want you to remember that Mahomes sat for a full year behind Alex Smith so he could learn the playbook and work on fixing some of his fundamentals. With no other quarterback in front of him to do that with, they just unleash the dragon. We don't have many stats from Mahomes' rookie year. If we just use his Week 17 stats, he'd throw 16 picks and 0 touchdowns, which is impossible. But we do have this fun anecdote from Tyreek Hill about how good rookie Mahomes was. I thought it was trash. I ain't gonna count. <laughs> I ain't gonna count. I ain't even gonna count, man. When he first got there, I was like, that who y'all drafted right here? who y'all drafted? Trash, he says. Mahomes was a raw prospect out the gate and wasn't quite what we know him to be now. The 11-5 Rams drop four close games to very good teams and wind up going 7-9, missing the playoffs, and letting the Seahawks in as NFC West winners. The Chiefs are still rolling with Alex Smith with Deshaun Watson lying in wait. They still go 11-5 with a Watson appearance in Week 17. The boys in Brown now have the titty kisser Trubisky, so at the very least, they're not going 0-16. Trubes played 12 games for the Bears, throwing for 7 touchdowns and 7 picks. So if we adjust for a full season, those numbers both go up to 9. Not a huge change. But it is huge enough to net the Browns 2 overtime wins. 1 against the Packers, so hey, Trubisky has that going for him. The Browns go 2-14, and 14, just like Buffalo. And then there's the Texans, who have Mr. Owen 16 himself, Deshaun Kaiser, at the helm. Now, to be fair to Kaiser, his receiver core in Cleveland was bonkers bad. His number one receiver was tight end Seth DeValve. And if you don't have to Google that name, you are either sports obsessed or already a Browns fan. Seth DeVolve didn't even haul in 700 yards in the 0-16 season, so calling him the best receiver on the team is like WOW gross. But Kaiser now gets a new Hopkins to throw balls to, but Kaiser is still gonna be pretty historically bad in Houston too. Consider, in the 6 games Watson played in before his injury, he managed to throw for 19 touchdowns and 8 picks. Kaiser in Cleveland for 16 games threw 11 touchdowns all year with 22 interceptions. The Texans went 4-12 and without Watson, and they'll also go 2-14 and with Kaiser. So we have three teams with the same record all fighting for the number one pick. But what you really want to know is if any of these shakeups change the Super Bowl. And no, not really. It's still going to be Eagles versus Patriots. But there is one little difference in the big game. Remember earlier when I said 10 players from Buffalo would be unceremoniously cut? The Buffalo 10 we dubbed them? One of them was the biggest name in Buffalo at the time, LaShawn McCoy. And he wasn't exactly bad either. In 2017, with the Bills, McCoy ran for 1,138 yards and scored six touchdowns. So, when he does hit free agency, there's going to be one particular team who has their eyes glued on him. A team with Super Bowl aspirations, a team that desperately needs more help at the running back position, so much so that in the following draft they will take a running back in the first round and give Shady McCoy the promise of redemption. That team is the New England Patriots. was scary. Shady has himself a year in New England. The already great 13-3 Patriots become the even better 14-2 Patriots, make the Super Bowl as they would in our world, but with McCoy on the roster, in 9 out of 10 simulations, the Patriots beat the Eagles. No full statue, no memes, no Philly special, all Belichick all the time. LaShawn gets his revenge against the very team that traded him away in the first place and gives another ring to the Bills' most hated division rival, the ultimate redemption arc. Now, moving on to the draft in 2018. The Browns will not have the number one pick anymore as they lose the tiebreaker with Buffalo, but they will have the number two pick because they win the tiebreaker with Houston. So, Buffalo is at 1, Cleveland at 2, and Houston at 3, in an historically deep quarterback class, and each in a weird quarterback situation. New ownership at Buffalo expresses confidence in Jared Goff, as it would be kinda shitty to punish a guy for sticking up for what he thought was right against Baron Von Trumpenstein. So what the Bills don't have anymore, though, thanks to the aforementioned Trump, is a starting running back, since he cut Shady McCoy. So, with the first overall pick, the Bills take Saquon Barkley. Next up is Cleveland, whose current starting quarterback was their number two pick from last year, who had virtually no supporting cast and was stuck being coached by Hugh Jackson. Instead of moving on from Trubrisky, who was still making first-rounder money, they decided to take Denzel Ward a few spots early to help their defense. Meaning, the Texans, with a second-round quarterback they'd like to ditch forever after a terrible year, take Baker Mayfield third overall. The Giants, knowing Eli's age is bound to catch up eventually and no longer having a shot at Saquon, take Sam Darnold. When we get to the Bears pick, the Bears, who don't have a quarterback outside of Mike Glennon anymore due to Mitch being a Brown, they take a shot on Josh Allen. The Jets, now below the Bears and not making any trades up, settle for Josh Rosen. And then the Cardinals bite on the Heisman-winning Lamar Jackson, who ironically stays a Cardinal. So, to recap, Trump fired, Goff and Saquon, their Bills, Mahomes and Michael Thomas are on the Rams. Mitchell Trubisky is still a Brown. Baker Mayfield a Texan. Sam Darnold is sitting behind Eli Manning. Josh Allen is a Bear. Josh Rosen is a Jet. And Lamar Jackson is a Cardinal. Whew. What league shifting shenanigans will occur next? Tune in next Friday for part three of our timeline as we continue to answer the question. What if Donald Trump bought the Buffalo Bills?